Okay? And uh, let me just read this passage. Uh, Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honour one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervour serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. (laughs) Who said that? There you go. So here's what I want you to do. (laughs) Okay. God helping you. Oh, no, 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 no. Now I've gone. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be, uh, be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So in Romans chapter 12, Paul gives us some really practical uh, guidelines for living the Christian life, how we're to live out this life that uh, God has called us to. And to live it out in a very hostile environment. The hostile environment is what we call the world and we know that it exerts a huge pressure upon us as Christians. So in the first part of this chapter, he gives us a clear understanding of the principles that we can uh, put into place, as it were. So Paul says this in Romans 12, 1 to 2, and I think this is critical to the message because it's all about God changing us from the inside out and giving us a new perspective about everything, about everything that happens in our lives. So this is from the message, and um, it's, it's really a, a paraphrase more than anything else, but it, it's, it's language, I think, just uh, uh, expands it for us and gives us, I think, a, a, a better understanding So here's what I want you to do. This is Paul writing, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, 
you're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. And if, you, if you're familiar with that particular uh, verse, chapter, um, out of Romans, you'll recognize it as this. Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test. Through the renewing of your mind, you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Well, beginning at verse 9, um, these are some of the things I want to share with you uh, tonight. And, and there are series, in fact, uh, right through to the verses that I read, it's, it's kind of like they're staccatos, they're rapid-fire exhortations. And an exhortation really is just something that is said or written in order to urge somebody to strongly do something. So here's Paul with these staccatos, these rapid fire exhortations, and he's urging us to do some things as Christians. Okay? For me, I call them the B attitudes. Because have a look at them. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is... Be devoted to one another. Love one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual further. Serving the Lord. Here we go. Be joyful. Be patient in affliction. Be faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need and practice hospitality. And so... At first glance, you might go, well, for goodness sake, they're just these rapid-fire encouragements, these rapid-fire um, exhortations, and he's, he's just want, urging us that this is the way we need to live. So what else can you get out of it, you know? But if you look at them just a little bit closer, and that's what we're going to do tonight, we might be able to draw some things or a little bit more uh, from these particular um, exhortations. They might look disjointed, but after a while you'll begin to see they're very much connected. And the connection, the connection is by way of love. It's by way of love that we have towards one another. But it's not just any kind of love, but a love that is inspired by the Holy Spirit and it's a fruit 
of his dwelling. It's something that he is developing in us, growing in us. It's not a wishy-washy human love, as it were, but an agape love, a sacrificial love. And that's why Paul, at the beginning of, the, of, of that uh, chapter, is saying, you know, give yourselves holy as a living sacrifice. We know that a sacrifice is not living. A sacrifice is dead. A sacrifice on the altar gets its throat cut and it's dead and it bleeds out. But we are to be living sacrifices where to go on living, but the attitude of our hearts is one where we're dying to ourselves and living to Jesus. That's what it means. We're dying daily to ourselves. We're sacrificing the self within us that we might live now for Jesus Christ. No greater joy, no greater thing to do than to live for him. Okay, so that leads me, in, I guess, into this very first um, exhortation. Love is the connection, right? You've got to see that all the way through. You can't do any of this if you don't love. And it's a love that comes out of firstly giving ourselves to Christ, daily living, daily following him, and then filled with the Spirit, I can relate to you the way Jesus wants me to do. You can relate to me. You can relate to one another exactly the way the Lord Jesus wants us to do. So the first thing we want to do is we want to have a sincere love. Tertullian was uh, one of the most uh, devout Christian leaders during the early history of the church. And he wrote this, it is our care for the helpless. Our pra- He's talking about Christians, right? It's our care for the helpless, our practice of loving kindness that brands us, oh my goodness, brands us in the eyes of many of our opponents. Look, they say, how they love one another. Look how prepared they are to die for one another. So I guess Paul is saying here, let's, let's have a sincere love, a very true love, a very honest love amongst us. Not a love that has uh, the, the thought of hypocrisy or false love, where to have a love that is honest, sincere. It's a genuine love, and that is in stark contrast with the love that shows itself as hypocritical in the way it treats others. Yet sometimes our words, the words that we use, do surpass our true feelings. We can be quite dishonest with our words when we begin to talk about love particularly the love that is, needs to be in between two, uh, Christians. Perhaps uh, the words, I love you, are the most abused phrase in the, the uh, English language. Um, you know, I, I, does anyone listen to 95.3? Smooth? Huh? Right, yeah, okay, all right, so... I listen to that. Okay, <laughs> I, I like the music. It's it's my kind of music. So I, I mean, I listen to it. But you probably listen to another um, radio station. But have you ever heard a DJ say, uh, as he signs off or as she signs off, "Have a really good day and I love you"? Have you have you heard that? 
I have. I go, for goodness sake, mate, you don't even know me and you're telling me you love me. What the, how, how hollow and insincere is that? It's just wishy-washy stuff. It's just words that just bleh and, and I'm supposed to feel really good about it. So we talk about love. We sing about it. Just lots of songs about love but we don't necessarily always live up to it. So how? How can we love sincerely without hypocrisy? How can you do that? How do you develop this honest love? Well, I think the answer is found in what Paul says regarding the need to be transformed by the renewing of your minds. And I've been preaching a lot about that over the last couple of weeks, in the morning particularly, and I really feel strongly that this is a message for our church. It's a message for us in our growing into Christ and our maturing into Christ. I sat with a a young woman just uh, Saturday, yesterday, uh, belonging to our church, and, uh, and, and she was talking about thoughts that were um, coming into her mind that were attacking her in her Christianity, in her relationship with Christ, and they were attacking that. And I said to her, you know, the battlefield is in the mind and you've got to take captive those thoughts. And what does that mean? If you take captive this thought, you've got to replace it with another thought. So if you get a thought in your head that says that you are worthless, you are nothing, God does not love you, then you've got to replace that. You've got to take that captive with another thought. And that other thought is, no, God loves me. His word says that he demonstrated his love for me in that while I was a sinner, Christ died for me. God said that he loved the world, that's me, part of the world, that he gave his one and only son. So you counter that kind of attack with the truth. So there's a need for us to have renewed minds and God has called us not to conform any longer to the pattern of this world with its behaviours and its customs that are usually selfish and often they're shameful. But here's the thing, our refusal to be squeezed into this world's mould needs to go deeper than just the level of our behaviour and our customs. It needs to be firmly embedded in our minds. So Paul says this, be transformed by the renewing of your minds. And in Ephesians 4 and 22 and 24, he says something similar. He writes, you were taught with, with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, and to be made new in the, what, attitudes of your mind. And to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. You, to be made new. You're to be made new in the, in the attitudes of your mind. Your mind, my mind, your mind needs to be renewed. 
by the Spirit of God and by the Word of God. Let me give you a little uh, story. Um, and many of you have heard this before, but I think it's a good illustration. The word transformed is metamorphosis. That means there's a change taking place. Paul says to the Corinthians that daily, like I'm getting old. <laughs> Have you noticed? Have you noticed we're all getting old? We are all getting, we're all wearing out. But Paul says, inwardly, we're being renewed every day. Inwardly, the inner person, you, in there are being renewed every day. I'm getting old every day on the outside, but I'm getting, <laughs> I'm getting renewed every day on the inside by the Spirit of God, by the power of the Spirit, and through the Word of God as I put the word of God into action in my life. And that will necessitate me thinking differently about what happens in my life, about living in the culture, about not conforming. In fact, uh, you know, that uh, message, uh, translation, not being squeezed into the mold of this world. How do you stop that? We get our minds renewed. Um, you all know about uh, butterflies and moths and all that kind of stuff. They start off as grubs, right? And, um, and then, uh, you know, they eat themselves fat and then they, um, uh, you know, do a, a spin a cocoon and they're out of sight for a while. Well, what's happening in the cocoon, they're changing. Metamorphosis. This ugly grub is changing um, and it could change into the most beautiful of butterflies. From grub to butterfly, there's a change, there's a, a transformation taking place. Here's the news! <laughs> You're being changed. You're being changed. Have you ever thought that sometimes you're more grub than butterfly? And have you ever thought sometimes you're more butterfly than grub. Sometimes you do something and you know, oh my goodness, where did that come from? Or somebody will say something, my goodness, that was such a lovely thing that you did or said or went out of your way or whatever it might be. And all of a sudden you're, you're more butterfly than grub. But this is the news is that we're always one or the other, but we're changing, we're changing, we're changing, we're changing, we're changing until it says in the word of God, boom, one day we will be like him, Jesus. The metamorphosis will be complete and we'll be like him. Though we don't see him yet, we will see him, the word says, and we will be like him. So we're being changed 
And so we, you and I help and assist in this change by getting our minds right about the culture we live in and the, the way we think about things. So be transformed. How? How can I do that? By renewing your mind. And that happens through the Word of God and the Holy Spirit. So we need to have um, this transformation. It happens anyway. Every day we're being renewed. We're being transformed. And it, it occurs the more we reflect on God, his love for us, as it's seen in Jesus, and as we let, our, let the mind of Jesus be in us, as we should. Let the mind of Jesus be in us, as it should. Some of you might say, oh my goodness gracious, how can I have the mind of Christ? The Word of God says that we have the mind of Christ. How can I have the mind of Christ? Christ surely doesn't have a mind like mine because sometimes I, I, I am disgusted with some of the stuff that gets in there. Surely, uh, you know, that doesn't mean that. So uh, let's just have a look at a very familiar passage out of Philippians 2, uh, verses 2 to 5. If any of you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, are you, are you encouraged because you're part of the Christian community? Amen? Absolutely. If any comfort of his love, oh, come on, just close your eyes for a second and go, I'm really loved by Jesus. And that's got to really comfort and encourage you, right? Comfort you. Any uh, comfort in his love, if any common sharing in the spirit. Oh my goodness, yes. If any tenderness and compassion. My goodness, this church is a beautiful, compassionate church. Then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one uh, and of one mind. Mm. So if that's all that, ah, so the, um, I guess you might say the um, application is do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And you will be familiar with that passage because it goes on to say, this is the mindset of Jesus, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to de death, even death on a cross. Humility. In your relationships with one another, have the, the same mindset of Christ. The mindset of Jesus was to pour himself out for you and I 
was to humble himself for you and I, for our sake. The word says here, does it not? Rather in humility, value others above yourself. How, how desperate we need a mind change for that. Amen? Because what happens is we're so... Sorry, guys, I won't throw you in the same boat as me. But I'm so full of myself, it's not funny. This heart of mine is so selfish and so self-centred that I want my way. Blow you. The word says differently, doesn't it? Rather in humility... Value others above yourself. So now you're taking the place of a servant. You've got somebody above you. And who is that somebody? Tell me. Somebody tell me. <laughs> it's the, your Christian brother and sister. They're the ones. You're valuing them more than yourself. They're the ones you're, you're, not, you're, you're looking for their interest. You're keeping your own, but each of you to the interest of others. We need, truly, if we're to love one another, as Paul is writing to the Romans here, if we're to love one another, we need... An absolute change of thinking, do we not? We need a real mind change here. And that comes as uh, the Spirit of God and the Word of God and we humble ourselves and I have a different attitude towards you and you have a different attitude towards me and with one another, different attitude. When you wake up in the morning and you say to yourself, my attitude will be today, I'm going to look after the interests of, the, of my brother my Christian sister, my brother, right? Okay. Then we'll see some things happening. So we need to develop an honest love, one that comes by reflecting on God's love for us. But as we look at the passage, we can see some other things as well. A love must have uh, a, like a tender affection, and uh, what the heck happened there? I cancelled all the slides. I'm getting really good at this, aren't I? <laughs> okay, see what you can do, Matt. Okay, I'll keep going. Where to... That must be sincere. Yeah, right, right, okay, blah, blah. Okay. Okay. Next one. <laughs> Love must display this tender affection. So we are, and the word says, we're to love. Um, we'll go back. Can you put, can it go back? Yeah, please. Verse. Uh, good man. Thank you. Okay. Okay. Be devoted to one another in love. Honour one another above yourselves. We're to have this tender affection, this brotherly love for one another. And the word translated brother here literally means one born 
of the same womb. It's easy to understand why the early Christians actually adopted this word to describe Christian love. All Christians, all of us here tonight, have all been born by the same womb. Stay with me. This is what we call the new birth. Jesus, you remember the discussion that Jesus had with Nicodemus? What did he say? You must be born again. And you must be born of the Spirit. You must be born again. So, um, Nicodemus, Nicodemus was a religious leader and later uh, we're led to believe they became a, a, a believer in Jesus. You must be born again, Jesus told him. And to be born again means to receive new life through personal faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It means to be born from God's womb. You've got to be born again. Okay? The word brother here talks about being born from the same womb. But hang on for a second. Uh, in blood, I'm not related. Spiritually, I'm related. You and I have been born into God's family. And that came only by God, only through Jesus, only through the power of the Spirit. So, let me give you an illustration. I have an older brother who lives near Taree and we have different personalities, different habits, different hobbies, different likes, different dislikes, yet one thing binds us together. We came from the same womb. My mum. That, that makes us, you know, the same. We're brothers. We're brothers. So I, I don't see my brother very often. I speak to him on the phone. I don't see him because he lives up there and I'm down here or up here or out there somewhere. And, and, and so we don't see each other. But when I see him, it's like, my goodness gracious, how you made, how you doing, how you, what's going It's like we've never been apart. Can you relate to that? It's like you've never been apart. It's just, you know, we're, we're just connected. It's the same. Uh, the same truth applies in the spiritual realm as well. Everyone who belongs to Jesus, everyone who belongs to Jesus belongs to me. That means you belong to me and I belong to you. You know, um, so I owe you then tender affection. Love. I need to be able to put your interests above my own. I need not slander you. And the word says, you know, I think it was this morning, we don't lie to one another. We tell the truth to one another. We don't slander. We don't, we don't talk nasty to one another. We watch what we say to one another, we don't let any unwholesome talk come out of our mouth. Well, we're, oh my goodness, we're, we're brothers and sisters. We're not going to do that. 
In fact, Paul says we're, we're just going to build one another up. We're, we're just going to encourage one another. We're going to say, man, keep going. Keep following Jesus. I'm with you. You know, we're just going to encourage and exhort. And we're going to say, be, uh, be affectionate. Be patient. Be kind. We're going to do all those things. Not the others. Why? Because God's changing our thoughts. He's changing our minds. I'm getting a different thought about you. Does that make sense? Don't you love this stuff? This is good, isn't it? Hello? (laughs) I think it is. (laughs) I'm enjoying myself. (laughs) Okay. So, um, I got brothers and sisters in India. Um, I want to tell you, every time I see them, my heart just wells up. I get emotional. They're my brothers and sisters in Christ and there's something that connects us. What is it? We've been born from the same womb. Been born again of God. He's my brother. He's my sister. I love him. You know, and I want to support them. I, I want to help them if I can. And that's, the, that's what we have. Everywhere. That's the kind of connection we have everywhere with all of our Christian brothers and sisters. And that's hard because uh, we have our own inner preferences. We may not like a particular Christian group or a denomination. We may criticize people who have a different worship style than what we, we do. But put simply, all such thinking really is wrong. And, and it's got to be abandoned. We, we can't keep, um, you know, no, that's a negative. We've got we to start loving like Jesus and, and putting his word into operation and action in our lives and thinking differently about people. So we must love one another with a brotherly affection. Okay? And... Let me just finish now. We've got to un- outdo one another in showing honour. I don't, you know, I don't know as, as Christians we really show honour to one another. I, I think we need to do that. We need to honour one another. And so this is what Paul is saying. The Greek word actually has a sense of competition about it. And it, it's, it's right there. Honour one another um, above yourselves. And in another translation, it talks about um, outdoing one another. And it's, it's right on the money. We live in a day where the opposite really seems to be the case, where people, even though they don't deserve it, uh, receive preferential treatment over others. I've got a, uh, my youngest son, um, is, has been heavily involved um, with the uh, NRL and um, he, he was part of uh, the NRL training all the referees and things like this. And, um, but he can't get a look in in any of the clubs uh, because 
each of the coaches have their own favourites and so they bring their own people in rather than looking at the merits of everyone else. So there's this preferential. It's who you know, right? It's who you know. And that is not how, as Christians, we operate. In the, yet in the Christian context, it means we're to take positive action to make sure that ourselves, that, uh, sorry, that others receive uh, preferential treatment before we do. That others, that's the same as, you know, the interest above our own interest. So I, I'm looking to make sure that you have the preferential treatment. Not me, but you. And that's why I love discipleship. Because this discipleship grows somebody into Christ and then takes a step back, gets out of the picture and says, go for it. Many years ago when I was a youth pastor, many years ago when I was a youth pastor, <laughs> I asked our youth leaders, I gave them a question and I said, I want you to close your eyes for a second. I want you to imagine a platform. It's a preaching platform. And there are thousands of people who have come to hear the gospel. Tell me who's preaching. Who is, when you think about that, who do you see is preaching? Do you see yourself? Man, that'd be great, Lord. I said, no, 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 no. Your disciple, the person that you're discipling, He's the preacher or she is the preacher. You take a step back. You've trained them up into the Lord and now you're releasing them and you're pulling back. And you're standing there going, right on. Absolutely. Fantastic. You're cheering them on. That's because you're, you're giving them preferential uh, treatment. And that's because you're putting their interests and them above your own. And that's what it's all about. That's the humility that Paul talks about that Jesus had. So, okay, I love this. Uh, President Ronald Reagan had this saying on his desk in the Oval Office. There is no limit to how far you can go if you don't care who gets the credit. They can just keep going. That's what I say. So I want to do this. I want to encourage you to do this. I want to encourage you that you start really applauding one another. You know, speak encouragement into one another. Build one another up. Point one another to Jesus. Don't pull down one another. But rather exalt and lift up one another. Don't look for the imperfections in the other person, but look for the positive things. Look for the good things that you see in them and let them know that. And let God change your thinking, change your mind. Let your mind be renewed through the Word and through the Spirit of God. 
be transformed into more and more into Christ-likeness. And the foundation of all of that is love. Love must be sincere. If I haven't got this sincere love, I want to tell you something. I'm not going to be devoted to you. You'll mean that much. I won't honour you. If I don't love you with this love of Christ and if I don't have this mind renewed through the word and, and I put, in, put into my life and my daily living these things, never got to never be lacking in zeal. In other words, keep on the boil. Keep on the boil. Don't go off the boil. Don't go off the boil. <laughs> I know you think I'm crazy. You're probably right. <laughs> okay, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, enthusiasm, God within. Enthusiastic. Enthusiasm means God within. That's what it means. Keep that. And, and would never be joyful in hope. Would never be patient in affliction. And never be faithful in prayer unless we love. I'd, I'd never share with you, uh, and, you know, people who are in need unless I love. I'd never practice hospitality unless my love is sincere. I wouldn't bless you unless my love is sincere. I couldn't live in harmony with you if my love was not sincere. Got to have that sincere love. Amen? So, Father, by your grace and the help of your Holy Spirit and by your word, help each of us here tonight to put into practice what you've spoken into our very spirit tonight, which is life. I pray, Lord, you give us that grace that we might love one another with a sincere love, the same love that you had for us and that you showed for us upon the cross, Lord Jesus. Oh, Holy Spirit of God, may you so give us such determination to put them and to have them in each of our lives. We pray this, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Matt.